The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Got this guy here. Which is the stray backpack. Did they send that to you or did you buy it? They sent it to me. Oh, nice. And Jimma Bean just... hates it. Did you just. Oh, well, you can send it to me. Backpack at the same time as Matt just dangled his cat in front of him. I know, right? So. His other. <laughs> Someone stop this man. He's stealing cats. How many cats does he have? He has a closet of cats. I hope this just keeps going. I hope it's just 10 more minutes of Matt walking by with cats. This is the show. This is the show. It's just a different cat every time. Beyond. 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 We, we, we still got to work on that, but we're, we're still working on it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcast <laughs> Beyond, IGN's number one PlayStation podcast. Sure, why not? I'm today's host, Mark Medina, and I'm joined by Jada Griffin. Hey! And Matt Kim. Howdy, howdy. And Tom Marks. Hello! We have a really, really good show this week. We're going to look at the PlayStation Game of the Year. We're going to predict it on today's show, even though mo- a, lot, a few games still aren't out yet. We're going to talk about our hopes and dreams for this week's upcoming Ubisoft Forward. But first, we got to talk about what we've been playing, because I am very, very excited. I posted this on every social media I own. I got the Death Stranding Platinum. I need people to be aware that that is a thing. This is the video. Thank God that the PS the PS Five saves your your platinum video. Uh, I don't know, Jada. I, I I need to ask. Do you save a certain trophy for the last one to get that like satisfying ping? Yes and no. Most of the time, I do. There are certain trophies when you look at the list that are just like. Okay, this is a trophy that I can put off and save so I can make mm-hmm. it very cinematic for this final video. Sometimes yeah. it's just not an option, though, because just somehow sometimes, especially with hidden trophies, uh, like sometimes mm-hmm. you'll just something will just prop, will, um, pop and you're like, oh, I wasn't trying to get that. Oh, well. Um, yeah. But yeah, most of the time I do try to save that. I actually save because I have my uh, trophy videos turned on. So I always save the platinum trophy video in my album, as well as my favorite trophy clip from all the trophies mm-hmm. went from playing through the game. And I usually kind of keep those just as kind of a memory for like, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I remember doing that for that game when I go back to reflect uh, towards the end of the year. Yeah, I remember talking to Dornbush and he's like, I'm not doing 
I'm I'm not doing the stray the the trophy where you have to sleep for an hour. He's like, because I want that to be like the final video is like, you know, and I was like, dang, I should have thought about that. I think mine was mine was the record scratch, the DJ thing mm, that you have to that's do. That's a good one. That's a really good. Yeah, one. I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. But but for Death Stranding, I'm like, you know, as most people know, when you most of the time you're making deliveries. And so what happens when you make a delivery? You're just it's just a screen of information 99% of it is mostly useless. It's just like how you did on that delivery. And I was like, okay, so maybe my last one should be getting like the five star on all the preppers. But I was like, that's such a boring video. Just like numbers and a platinum. So I saved it. It's like you have to throw a suitcase in that lake. And I was like, okay, I'll save that for my last one. I, <laughs> so so I did that. The I think my favorite one I've done that for is Ghost of Tsushima is when I got the platinum trophy, I saved the trophy for uh, when you have to go and uh, honor your fallen friend at his gravesite. Mm. And so I I put on the outfit where it was basically just me in a loincloth. And I went to, <laughs> <laughs> and I went to his grave and I played a song on the flute. Uh, and that was with platinum trophy popped. So that's the video that saved for my Ghost of Tsushima memory. And uh, I regret nothing. I regret nothing <laughs> for it. Sounds. <laughs> like a fine video. So I'm, I'm now I'm working on, I beat cult of the lamb. I beat it over the weekend. Uh, awesome game. I'm working on the platinum now, but it's, it's, it's a lot less satisfying than the death stranding one only because it's like death stranding has this like light at the end of the tunnel. I know what I need to do. And a lot of it was like kind of frustrating. And, but like, I knew what I needed to do to get there. Cult of mm -hmm. the lamb is very random. And so a lot of the trophies is like collect every tarot card. How do you get a tarot card? By just doing runs until you get all the tarot cards you need. And it's like, to me, that's like a lot less kind of exciting. And then other stuff is like, you know, getting all of the, not the rituals, but the other one, the fleeces. And mm -hmm. so that basically just means waiting for every day to happen. So that way I can do a sermon to level them up to then, you know, kind of unexciting stuff, but you know. We'll get there. Uh, Jada, what about you? What have you been playing? Honestly, since Last of Us Part 1 Remake, nothing. I've been playing a lot of League of Legends uh, PC-wise. That's just been kind of my my go-to. Uh, just really haven't had the drive to play a lot lately. I finished, you know, Cult of the Lamb as well. I think the only trophy I've left for that one is the last couple, like, follower, like, skins or, out or whatever mm -hmm. their forms are. I have, like, three left to get. Um, and one of them is from like getting snails shells, snail shells. I know how to talk, guys. Um, and it's it's like a really low drop rate from them for some weird reason. And I've killed like 20 and got zero snail shells. So um, not looking forward to going back and hunting that one at the year's end. But yeah, that's those, it for those, me. I haven't been playing a lot. Those snail shells seem to be notorious. It's yeah, they're it's so terrible. <laughs> How many I times can we say it. snails shells Snail in one shells. podcast? So <laughs> that's uh Matt, what about you? Uh before that, Mark, do you know what our viewership is when it comes to goth listeners? Because you may have just angered all of them with your pronunciation of tarot cards. Ta wait, what did I say? What did <laughs> I say? Tarot cards. Like tarot cards. What did I say? I said tarot cards? No. He said tarot. You said tarot. It's a tarot. Tarot. Tarot cards. Uh, uh, I, the last I looked at the stats 
we have like it's like seven percent are goth listeners so sorry that's guys. high my bad dude it's it's surprisingly high good. that's actually pretty good <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad somehow we broke it as dormush you know he 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 knows the market <laughs> uh yeah in terms of in terms of games though i've just last time i was on here and they asked me what i was playing i was playing metal gear solid three and since then i have evolved and into metal gear solid five so i beat three and then in that time, I beat four, which is actually really short. Four is like cutscenes aside. Four was only maybe like what 12, 11 hours of game, uh, so it's really, really <laughs> short. Uh, and now I'm on five, and it's uh, uh, it's so far the best playing Metal Gear Solid game in the series. It's like it's just I love playing it. Uh, I love discovering new ways to play it. Like I just recently discovered that you can uh, drop supplies on enemies to knock them out. Like you can call in like airdrops uh, onto enemies, and it's just been making it's ba- it's the most fun that I've had in a Metal Gear Solid game without ever experiencing the story. Like I kind of don't even really want to do the next like story mission because I kind of just want to like wander off and do side. But I'm I'm still working my way through it. I'm told it's like the longest one. Like uh, uh, IGN sister site, how long to beat? Apparently has it at like twenty to thirty hours. So I have a lot of Metal Gear Solid Five left. But yeah, pretty much that. I just love how the how everything like kind of upgrades and evolves as depending on your play style for Metal Gear Solid Five. It's a really cool system. Yeah, it's great. I've I've always tried to opt. I don't I don't lose sleep over if I accidentally kill uh, an an enemy character, but I try to trank and stun enemies as as I can uh, more often than not. But I've yeah, it's it's great and um, the ability to just like when everything just goes belly up and it's like well i've uh i've severely messed up the stealth run uh the ability to just hop on a horse and and get out of dodge is uh is always fun i i tried really hard to play metal gear solid 5 every mission plays the same for me i stealth i do the recon i'm looking through the binoculars i'm doing everything i can i get about halfway through someone sees me and it's time to start <laughs> shooting and it's so I just started blasting out every time. I, I, don't, I don't mean <laughs> that's to be how rude. every mission ends for me. I don't mean to be rude, but that sounds like a you problem, Mark. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely a me problem. <laughs> I know that the game, like, I just I get so impatient, and I'm like, all right, that's it, I'm done. You're, I don't, I just, you know, I start just trying to go too fast, and then I just get caught. I'm not, I'm not good at the stealth games i mean look at me there's nothing well, then, stealthy about me. you just got to get to the point in the game where they give you a mech walker and you can just oh. go in loud from the start <laughs> just, bang bang let's go in with like <laughs> double grenade launchers stealth game go i think you know. i think the it's stealth if nobody is left alive yeah there's no one no witnesses you know whether however however you define that yeah i think the funniest thing to me is the is the mechanic where you sort of like uh you ride your horse sideways to sort of just trot through enemy lines and uh, you and for me i'm just like if i was there i would definitely see a lumpy horse and be like there's a person behind there but i guess in game they're just trained to not not think about it too much so i'm just like on the side <laughs> of a horse like hanging out good and then just like walking right through an enemy base and no one's like oh weird a horse this military force is trained to ignore weird things. Yeah, and like my horse has like battle armor on it because that's what I gave it, and they're just like, "Oh, look, this horse that has all this like bulletproof shielding." Uh, oh, it's it's because you pre-ordered the game. Yeah, so yeah. You, mm-hmm. you gotta, yeah. But is that from more, nature? It's a is, naturally bulletproof horse. Is that more or less realistic than 
hiding in a box with an anime girl on it. I haven't unlocked mm. the anime girl box. There's an okay. anime girl box. I, I think so. The, Matt's like, have... oh my god. Or there's, anyway, there's twenty hours. They're gonna be awesome. Soldiers on it. I think there's those. There's a bunch of different boxes you can get. I only have the one. I only have the desert camo box. I mean, to be fair to the horse point, I mean. The way Matt's horse looks, I wouldn't mess with that horse and comes walking down the road by itself. Like it's that's above my power level. Like, <laughs> uh, and, okay. And so, Tom, you were the you. I invited you on the podcast, and the first thing you said was, "I can't wait to talk about this game I've been playing." So we're gonna hear about it in just a second, but we have to do just a quick break. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, the break's over. Uh, Tom, what have you been playing? So I've been playing a few things. Um, I've been playing Persona 5 Strikers, 
with longtime friend of the show, Jonathan Dornbush. Yep. Uh, I just started Genshin Impact. Um, and then the one I really wanted to talk about, though, was a game called Tinykin, which just came out like a week and a half ago, I think. I just beat it over the weekend. Uh, it's a 3D platformer with Pikmin-ish mechanics in it. Like, it's really easy to look at the video and be like, oh, it's a Pikmin-like game. It's really mm-hmm. more like a Banjo-Kazooie-style platformer, just as a point of reference, that has like a Pikmin sort of follower mechanic as well. Um, and it's a, absolutely adorable. It's just a ton of fun, super pretty, great music, really colorful. It's just a very good game. Um, like any any 3D platformer fan would be doing themselves a disservice not to to try it out, to be honest. It's like, it's just very, very fun. Well, as a person who is a fan of 3D platformers, I should also, probably play this game. Yeah, also <laughs> nonviolent, which is cool. It's got no combat in it. It's like, all about exploration. There's some light puzzle solving, but really kind of the magic of the game is that you are a tiny person in this, like basically a large house, right? So you're mm-hmm. like exploring a kitchen from the size of, you know, an ant pretty much. Um, and there's just, the, the areas are just so free and open. It's really kind of amazing where you can be like, okay, I'm going to go towards that jar- like giant chair and explore that. And that'll branch off into three different paths that then all branch off into two or three different paths on their own. And it's so easy to just get like distracted, wandering around, picking up collectibles um, in a very, very good way. So yeah, anybody who likes platformers or exploration games like that, it's, it's really, it's just a very chill time. that is also very, very like well-polished and snappy and responsive to play in its platforming. I, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. Sounds like Breath of the Wild. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not what I would describe as a Breath of the Wild game. Because um, the is areas it, are is much it more smaller. more Breath of the Wilds or more Dark Souls? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, like genuinely, uh, not to overcompare, but it does feel like a, like a modernization of the like, banjo era 3d platforming Mm -hmm. right where you do get these big areas and there's like npcs to talk to and little quests that they'll send you on and collectibles to pick up everywhere right like it is it feels inspired by that without without being derivative or anything but it feels inspired Mm -hmm. by that in a very cool way that i haven't really seen in an indie 3d platformer like this no i love that idea of like I don't know games that don't waste their space. I guess you could say it's like if you if you like you said you know if you want to explore this corner that you you know aren't sure if there's anything there, there's a good chance that there will be something there, which then leads to doing more things. That's why I make that you know dumb Breath of the Wild joke is because like that and like Elden Ring like that's kind of what those games are built on is like hey, I have not explored this area. I'm going to go look at it. And the next thing you know, it's been 10 hours and you're like, oh, yeah. I have like completely gone off the main path because I wanted to see what was in this cave. Yeah. Um, no, I there's, love that. And the there's game definitely the bit of that, although it's it's again, much smaller scale. Like it right. only took me like eight and a half hours to beat the whole thing, which is not short, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's a yeah. great length. It's just, you know, it's not Breath of the Wild. It's big. not this huge open world. <laughs> Yeah. No, the game looks cool though. I'm. I don't know. I mean, I finished Breath of the Wild in like ten minutes. Like, just, just, <laughs> just, she just right. she did the stasis on a tree, jumped on, and just flung herself over to Ganon and killed him in one hit. That was on her first playthrough too. First she never playthrough. Again. 
never again. Like, this, sh- this should work, and it did. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the theme of Breath of the Wild. It's uh, the only limits are your imagination. Mm-hmm. News. There's some news, guys, but it's not <laughs> great news. <laughs> no, it's uh, you know the news this week has been fine. It's been okay. But uh, we're going to recap it anyways, because that's what you do on a podcast about news. <laughs> uh, so starting off PlayStation, we have PlayStation news, Matt. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, Tom, I'm now double excited that you're here because we're going to talk about Cyberpunk, a game you reviewed. I, I, I mean, it would be fair to say, like, you reviewed the game, but you did review the PC version of the game. Yeah, but at I never the time. It, it was just like, you know, you were reviewing. Have you played it on console? Uh no, I have not. Yeah, I've only. I don't play it on, on console PC. either. That's that's like my one rare exception. For some reason, that game just it feels so much better on PC and it's just like less buggy. The, um, funny, the funny thing is, this is a quick aside. I don't think I've said really. When I was reviewing that game, I had was de- dealing with like little tendonitis problems in my right arm, so I wasn't mm. using. Uh, I was. I, I've since switched to a trackball mouse, and it's gotten a lot better. Um, but oh dang. In Cyberpunk, when I was playing Cyberpunk, I was like the first first person shooter I had played in like a year because of this tendonitis issue. And obviously that game is only like partially a first person shooter. It's, you know, so many things. Mm -hmm. So I was using a controller on PC like 80, 90 percent of the time I was playing it. And then whenever a firefight broke out, I would pause and I would switch to mouse and keyboard and I would use mouse and keyboard for the shooting. And then after the fight, I would go back to a controller. Well, yeah, because I mean, the driving is, in my opinion, I, I like I like driving in games like that on a controller a little bit yeah, better because you, you have a little bit more movement with a thumbstick versus just, you know, the buttons. And then uh, and then a lot of cyberpunk is just like talking and yeah. just like selecting dialogue options with the occasional firefight in between those two other things. <laughs> so now I totally feel you there. Anyways, Cyberpunk is almost two years old, and we finally got... We know that they've been working on an expansion for a while, and we finally got the reveal trailer for it. It's called Phantom Liberty, um, and it's coming next year. Can't really go into, like, the spoilers about, like, why this exists or where it's going to go, but uh, a lot of people seem excited for it. I think the trailer looks very cool. Um, So first, I want to ask each of you, like, what is your history with cyberpunk? You know, just real quick. And like, you know, if you plan on playing this expansion at all, Jada, we'll start with you. Uh, so I played the PS4 version on my PS5 when it launched. Yeah. And that worked okay, but it did mm-hmm. crash every hour on the hour. Sure. Um, yep. So I got about 40 hours into it before I said, I'm done with this. Um, and I did find a lot of like holes in the ground, which were fun to like, <laughs> teleport around the city while, while outside the map um <laughs> but uh other than that i don't know if this is gonna be enough to bring me back to it i just i'm kind of mm-hmm. soured on the whole experience um i did reboot up the ps5 version when it launched a couple what, months ago now at this point mm-hmm. um and it did feel smoother it loaded faster it recognized my save file instantly i didn't have to do any transferring anything which was cool um but i felt like it just i feel like that ship had sailed for me for cyberpunk mm-hmm. now at this point um, the expansion does look cool, um, but I, I just I don't know if it's enough to bring me personally back into it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matt? 
Uh, yeah, so I, I played it on, on PC at launch, and so I didn't really have much of the technical issues with it when I was playing it. I thought it was a pretty good RPG action game. You know, I was disappointed by... Because I wasn't dealing with, like, crashes or anything like that, I was able to focus more on the content, and I was, like, disappointed by the... It felt uh, shallower than I think I was expecting it to. I think a lot of the pre-release trailers and videos were really hyping up things like intelligent AI and, mm -hmm. and sort of being able to role-play your own character with different backgrounds, and I found that the AI wasn't that impressive, and... The whole like street kid, corpo, uh, you know, nomad lifestyle thing didn't really factor into the game. Like I was, it was really, it was really Keanu Reeves, you know, AI like storyline mm -hmm. focus. And so I was disappointed more by everything else around the game rather than like performance wise because it looked great and it played great for me when I played it. Um, I'm really hoping that, I, you know, they've been adding fixes to to these AI stuff. Uh, over with these patches you know i think the the first thing that they fixed was was how like police respond to you if there's a crime scene teleporting uh, cops exactly right, right? Yep. And so you could so, be on a building and then like throw a grenade and then cops would just be up there yeah and, and you'll just you turn around you kill you mm -hmm. kill some cops and then you turn back around and there's more cops just randomly there and you don't even know how they got there yeah stuff like that was real real you know that was the thing that i was like oh this is uh, this is not what I was expecting from this game. Mm -hmm. After after what what uh what all the pre pre release like uh, interviews and stuff uh, has suggested, but I know they're working on that. We're on what Edge Runners is one point six. I think yep. I think I'm waiting for the full two point um, <laughs> before before jumping back in. And even with the extension, yeah. yeah. They they still have more to fix when it comes to the cop stuff, mm -hmm. uh, which is something we're, we're actually going to get to in, in just a second here. But but Tom, as someone who, you know, as we've gone over, you you know, you've played the game, you reviewed it. Do you plan on going back? And like, I know IGN kind of has that thing and I, I'm not saying this is going to be the thing, but I know IGN kind of has a thing where it's like you'll kind of be first to ask to review this expansion. Is sure. this something you would be excited to do or do you not have much interest in revisiting the world? Um, I am ex I am extremely excited to go back and play more Cyberpunk. I don't know if this expansion is like the moment I am excited to go back for it. Like, mm -hmm. I played a ton of that game and I loved it. Obviously, like, I think every all the criticisms. A, I played it on PC, so like I had technical issues, but I didn't have like wildly game breaking technical issues. I just had very distracting ones, if that makes sense. Um. And the the thing about like all the criticisms levied at it, like the cop stuff and, you mm -hmm. know, the stuff Matt was saying about it, not really living up to some of the things that it it promised, I think are all totally legitimate and fair. I just thought that the game that was there removed from those promises was still extremely impressive to me. Right. Like, I think that mm -hmm. it's some of the best side quests and side quest writing I have seen in any RPG pretty much ever. Um, and that meant a lot to me, right? So I'm excited to go back and re-experience that stuff. I just wanted to take a break and let them do a bunch of updates for it. This could be the excuse I'm looking for to get back into it and see what's changed. Or I might want to, you know, I assume that they're probably working on what, Witcher 3 got two expansions, right? Like, right. I'm assuming, I don't know what basically whether, or, I don't know yet whether or not I, like, this is the moment I want to jump back in and kind of do a fresh playthrough and see what it's like now. Or if I want to wait until 
basically the game is done, done, done with expansions mm-hmm. and extra content and then try it then. Um, yeah, so I'm a little torn on that, but I am excited to see what they've come up with because once again, like I think that the the, the quest design in this game was extremely compelling to me. Yeah. Well, speaking of breaks, we're going to take a quick break, but then we will be right back. And we're back. Uh, yeah. Uh, to to respond to Matt, like I, I remember one of the most disappointing things for me was the the beginning quest lines of choosing one of those three, because I don't, I don't know if it was he- if, if it's headcanon, but I remember kind of being told that those would be much longer than they were. Uh, I remember mm. hearing something about like they would be hours long and that may have been just like rumors or whatever, but you know, we just didn't really know. But um, you know, if you, if you go back and play them, like nomad is the only one that's really worth like getting invested in. It's, it's fairly lengthy. There's an actual shootout um, in it and you, you get to drive around the desert and stuff like that, which is something you don't do until much later in the game. So you, you do get to see a part of the game that you wouldn't have seen a lot later, uh, opposed to Corpo, which if I'm remembering correctly is like 15 minutes long, you like go to a bar and then it's over and then you're just, you know, you're on the Jackie mission and, and, and exactly what you're saying, which is like those you know those don't really mean a whole lot all it does is like you know one of the first missions is you're infiltrating like a corporation office and you get dialogue options as a corpo to be able to kind of like talk your way through it which is like cool like okay you know but to tom's point which is like if you take the game for just what it is opposed to what you thought it was going to be it's a it's a pretty good game but but the bigger news than the than the expansion itself is the fact that the expansion is only coming to pc ps5 and the xbox series consoles and even further cd project red announced yesterday that they are ceasing content updates for ps4 and xbox one uh for (laughs) i i think the main reason would be the ai uncop stuff they've already said that the ai can't really work on the old versions of that game and the future cop updates also can't so for them to build this game going forward they've basically had to say the game just can't run on those old consoles anymore which brings up all sorts of like it's obvious that that game was just not ready right like gotham knights went and made itself next gen only that was originally going to be a ps4 and xbox one game so for the fact that cyberpunk is two years after release being like you know what now we're next gen only is like pretty insane to me yeah it's but, pretty it's pretty unprecedented too yeah, yeah. like I that's mean, super weird i mean ahead, you Jamie. know what honestly it makes sense for them they had this huge pr nightmare when yeah. it launched and they don't want to revisit that they're they're at best they're learning from their mistakes um at worst they knew it wasn't going to be ready and they're just like we're just we're going to just make some money off of it to cover you know we know it's going to be a failure um but yeah you know it's it's one of those things where i would really love um to see kind of like the the explanation like the full out like I know you said like the cop stuff and stuff won't work. Like mm-hmm. I want to see what, like to what detail, like it's not going to work. Is this like, are we, did they say they're still getting like bug fixes and like small patches? 
It's just Correct. no con- no That's new it. content, right? Okay. Yeah, so, no I mean, new content. They said that they'll keep the game running on those old versions of, you know, but yeah, no yeah. new content. Yeah, I mean, and it it's honestly it's fair. And I'm happy Gotham Knights made that decision so they didn't fall on the same the trap because I'm getting kind of more excited for Gotham Knights the closer we get to its launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people, but you have to assume a lot. There's a lot of PS4s out there and there's a lot of Xbox Ones. So, like, mm-hmm. are there a lot of people that enjoyed the game on those consoles that are then waiting for, you know, uh, this expansion in an hour, basically being told you don't get to play it unless you uh, switch, you know, over to to one of the newer consoles? Luckily, with the 1.6 update, they finally added uh, Transmog for one, which That's is like- awesome because... For every good outfit in that game, there's 10 atrocious ones. Uh, and it was awful. I hated going. I hated playing that game looking like uh, a clown out of a cyberpunk circus. It yep. was it was a nightmare. <laughs> I'm like, why am I wearing a fire helmet? What, was, what is this? Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's good. But then they're also adding, uh, you know, cross progression. So now you can cloud save. And and so if you are like, okay, well, I want to play the new expansion. I played it on PS4, but I have a good PC. You can upload your save. So that's exciting news. Yeah. The the uh, non... Uh, oh, sorry. No, I kind of wish it was a, a cross. Can you? Okay, so I have it on GOG, right? And I kind of mm-hmm. want it on Steam so I can play it on, on my Steam Deck. Uh, would mm-hmm. my save carry over between those two? I, I think it would have it. carried over before that because Cyberpunk is very generous on the idea of just going into your saves folder, copying them and moving them. Yeah, uh, I know that because I've had to mod the game and do all this weird stuff. And it's just very just plainly. Here's your saves and you can just you can download saves for the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure as long as the file structure is the same, which I can't imagine it would be any different. It would just be in a Steam folder instead of GOG. I think it would be fine. Yeah. But if you, the safer route would be to do the the, the progress changing, the, I guess I could also just try and get GOG on my Steam Deck. But that that requires a lot. That that's too much work. The saves yeah. will just transfer. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure the saves would be fine. Yeah, I think all you'd have to do is transfer the saves on your computer, load the game, which would then, you know, trigger Steam to do its cloud save, and then there you go. You're on the Steam Deck. And I love the Steam Deck, but I'm constantly reminded that like a lot of PC games aren't on Steam now, so it's like, you know, <laughs> it hurts me. This uh, Tom, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, this this thing of it no longer, basically no longer being backwards compatible or whatever, them, them phasing out the, the previous gen things, I think isn't a new issue, right? It is a continuation mm-hmm. of the issue that this game always had from launch on older generation systems, which is just that it was too ambitious for those systems, and the systems mm-hmm. didn't get enough attention and probably part of this is that you know it's been how long since launch and there's still not this is the first we've heard of this expansion because they've been having to fix bugs and if they cut out two platforms that's two fewer platforms they have to do work on and optimization Mm -hmm. for in order to produce new content right and so it will probably make them faster in terms of updating the next gen stuff um, so I understand the reasoning for it, and I don't think it is indicative of anything sort of like new necessarily that's going on. Mm-hmm. It is also just lame. Like, it's just a huge drag. Like, yeah. for anybody yeah. who bought this game on those systems and are now just told, oh, by the way, this DLC that we had been have said has been coming for a long time 
is not on your platform is just a huge drag. And mm-hmm. I don't fault anybody for being upset by that necessarily. I don't remember. Did they do like season passes or like like deluxe editions that came with like the content for the previous console? Oh, I don't know. Launched? I don't I'm remember. Sure. Like, I'll have to look that up and see, because if so, that that's a even bigger just like, mm-hmm. you know, shooting yourself in the foot, like buying the deluxe edition for you because you were super hyped for cyberpunk and it's like you're gonna get all the new content well not anymore because you don't have the right console like that's 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 terrible like yeah anybody who bought the digital deluxe on the ps4 version or xbox one version if that is a thing like Mm -hmm. there needs to be some type of way to make that up to those those owners because that's just a that's just bad business otherwise i I mean especially since the new consoles are still like you know fairly hard to come by it's 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 getting a little bit easier but uh you know by the time this expansion comes out i think you'll be able to find them fairly well but of course you know they still come with the 500 dollar price tag so yeah the expansion is now 600 dollars not exactly a hundred percent uh i'm trying to think i feel like this is something we could have looked up before recording so that's on us but has this ever happened before has there been uh an expansion that came out that was only for the the following gen system I mean, I can't, I can't think of anything like The Witcher Three came out, and and what is it? Uh, Hearts of Stone, Hearts of Gold, Hearts of, Hearts of Stone, Hearts of Stone, and Blood and Wine. Yeah, you know, didn't, are both available anywhere you can play that game. So I, I didn't Integrate do something weird. Uh, yes, no, actually, yeah, you're correct. Integrate mm-hmm. is only available on PS5 and PC. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's um, not on PS4. Yeah, but they ended up giving it away, like Final Fantasy away for free, like as part of to yeah. kind of help compensate for that, which is nice. And that's yeah. a, I think it's a good, fair compensation. Um, I just looked up the Cyberpunk Collector's Edition. It did not come with the DLC included. Um, which is probably which is smart good. because that would have yes. been really dumb for them to be promising yes. any sort of expansions. Or yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, especially at that time. Uh, we're gonna we have we have a couple more news hits before we get to our main topic, but we're going to take one more quick break. <laughs> the PS5 software update that's been in beta for a while is available today. Came out this morning. Uh, the key like things from it are that they've added 1440p support, which is 2K. Uh, they've added Gameless, which is like kind of cool. You go to your library and you can essentially like make folders, and it's like games I'm playing now, games I want to get the platinum in, or just whatever. So you can make folders. That's cool. Uh, something that I thought was really cool is um, I don't know if anybody's ever used the share screen function on their mm-hmm. ps5 um it basically means you know you can watch somebody else playing their game You're, they're just streaming it to you uh you can do that through the app now so what something that was always kind of a bummer is i've told this story before when i first played uh astro's playroom in my mind that game is a multiplayer game because we all just share played and played that game together me and and a group of my friends but when you share play it you know it puts a window on your screen that then needs to kind of uh it's going to either take up screen space or you can choose to make your screen smaller and put that screen like on the side. Now you can just do it through the app. You can request to share a screen. Someone can share it and you can watch it on your phone or iPad, which I think is like, that's kind of cool for someone that uses screen share. I think it's cool, but I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts on that. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think it's great. I love using screen share. Um, I have a friend I play regularly with online and I usually pick up games before her. And so she's like, hey, can I check this out so I can see if it's something I'm going to like? 
Jada just breaking embargoes over there. She's like, guys, I just got this game early. I've already, I've been streaming God of War for like the last month for her. I'm almost done with it, guys. It's like, it's an 80 hour RPG. Um, (laughs) You'll find her on twitch.tv. Yep. (laughs) No, but like, I, like she didn't know about uh, like Returnal or whatnot. And I got that way Mm -hmm. after launch or whatnot. She was like, she's, and so like when I stream, I, screen shared it for her she got to see she's like oh this definitely isn't my kind of game but looks fun but it's not my kind of game and so i I love that for just as a community aspect it's a great thing for um being able to help your friends out like if you know you have that one friend in the group usually that's like buys everything right off the bat other people like i got kids i've got you know bills i can't buy all these games i don't have that disposable income um and you're able to kind of you know help them out in the show you know to check it out and get a sneak peek so mm-hmm. uh and then finally we have matt i'm gonna let you take this new story because it's just like it's numbers <laughs> and you're the one that like brought it up and i'm like this is i don't know what any of this means okay <laughs> you talking about the camo console skin yeah yeah business the high the high end business just a blank image that John Cena's holding a console. You just don't see anything. Oh, yeah. Okay. The last story is that there's a camo console skin. What the hell, man? Like, why? I, I want it. It's going to be cool next to my gun rack. I don't know. Uh, I'm the one. It's also the rails. It's also a dual sense and it's also the headset. And I'm just like, okay. To be honest, I sold so many camo controllers and equipment when working at GameStop throughout the years. It was so popular. And I do not. I still do not understand why, but it is just super popular. People love their camo for some reason. I mean, it, when your significant other walks in and, you know, they hear sounds from a headset, but don't see you wearing a headset. They see you're moving your hands, but you're not holding a controller plugged into uh, something that's just suspended in air because there's no console there. You're gonna confuse people. Look, but I mean, whatever. It's, it's so that the deer don't see your PS4. Right? <laughs> exactly. And, and let's be real, you're wearing camo as well, so you, they don't even see you there until they sit down on the couch and they just happen to land on you. <laughs> you just you just put the disc in. There's a floating disc. In. The the number of times people have gone hunting and they've lost the deer because of their PS5 randomly booting up and they see yep. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the glint off of its matte white <laughs> skin. <laughs> well, see, the, that's the problem. The only shiny part of a PS5 is the, the black center, and that's still there. So this solves <laughs> nothing. <laughs> God. They they need bad. They need I, really, I really derailed this new segment. <laughs> you, made the, you made the best segment of the show. Thank you. Yes, I forgot. You. I was actually going to skip the camo console because I hate it so much. But you know what? I'm glad we is. went there. <laughs> uh, do you want me to still quick the run over Yes, the please yeah, do. Yeah, please. Yes. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know. We can move on. Like, okay, so it's from last week, actually. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Sony, uh, Sony and Tencent, two separate companies, have both uh, purchased 15% of From Software, uh, the developers of Elden Ring and Dark Souls and Sekiro and all the all the good games that I love. Um, but like they've not acquired From Software. From Software is still majority owned by another Japanese company, entertainment company called uh, Karakawa. They own other game studios. They own like anime studios. They're like a multimedia like entertainment, you know, Japanese entertainment company. Uh, and uh, what this really means, honestly, is just that from software gets more money. Like 
Mm-hmm. Sony and Tencent <laughs> yeah. just paid to acquire very like small shares of From Software, and From Software just gets a cash injection from these two companies. Uh, and it does. It's like not meaningful enough, really, to to sort of signal any sort of like, because like From Software mm-hmm. actually already has a very close relationship with Sony. They they develop Bloodborne uh, together with Japan Studios, uh, and that was pre this acquisition of of shares. And so it like nothing stopping From Software with working with Sony exclusively, whether or not they have fifteen percent ownership claim or not. You know, it's one of those things where From Software, you know, From Software's worked with Activision for Sekiro to publish Sekiro. They work with uh, Bandai Namco for a long time for the Dark Souls and Elden Ring. Uh, and they've worked with Sony and PlayStation for Bloodborne. Uh, and so really the only, like the real true winner of this sort of financial, you know, here you go is, is from software who just get some money to make more games uh, and whether or not they are exclusive on uh, on Sony platforms or or elsewhere is really like up to them and up to Katakawa. But Matt, is this Matt? Is this the moment for our audience to put on their tinfoil hat and say that this confirms that we're getting a Bloodborne PS5 remaster? I hope so. I want one so bad. <laughs> I'll I'll put on the I'll put on the tinfoil hat if it means that'll come true. I want to play Bloodborne. Alan, let's get him a let's get him a tinfoil hat. Alan, let's get let's get Matt his tinfoil hat. <laughs> I we can do it in post. I think I think the I think the more boring but like probably not boring for Sony is is that you know Elden Ring. I, I bet they wish they would have done this before Elden Ring launched, but they know that Elden Ring's probably going to have content updates, you know, expansions and stuff like that because mm-hmm. every Dark Souls game usually comes with multiple DLCs, and so hey, you know this could just be them getting in there. Well, but also, yeah. like, I don't know the business side well enough to know if even it would be a thing that would be appealing to do pre-Elden Ring. Because Elden Ring had such mm-hmm. insane explosive success, right? Right. That, like, was that financial success one of the impetuses for companies like Sony and Tencent to want mm-hmm. to invest, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I genuinely don't know the business side of, of yeah. this industry well enough to say. But, like, it feels like, you know, <laughs> Elden Ring t- probably turned heads in more yeah. than just like the playing sphere of things. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's, sorry, go ahead. It's one of those things where if you if it keeps happening, it's because it's because it's doing well for for both companies, right? There's a reason right. why From Software continuously works with Bandai Namco specifically on these Dark Souls types games uh, ever since going back to Dark Souls One, and it's just because Bandai Namco knows how to sell a, a Souls game, and From Soft mm-hmm. knows how to make a Souls game. And the reason why they keep working together on specifically these types of games is that they are successful. You know, the two of them working together are, have have remained successful. Uh, and and unless it becomes not successful, I can't imagine you know uh, this relationship is going to end anytime soon. They've they've launched four. I mean, depending on how many times you count Dark Souls re releases, they've launched four. <laughs> very good games together and i don't mm-hmm. think either of them are unhappy with how the performance of dark souls one through elden ring uh sales wise are you know so uh it can like i can't it, it's one of those things where i feel like as much as from software is a, a very popular sort of acquisition you know target for for companies only because of how well received their games are like they are they're the ones who are in the driver's seat in terms of like what they want well, and it's like Elden Ring almost had this weird like Pokemon Go moment, right? Where it's like 
Pokemon Go became this phenomenon where it was like, my grandma plays Pokemon Go. And so it's like, if if Dark Souls 4 had come out, I, I'm i sure it would have done incredibly well. People would have loved it. Probably would have been high acclaimed. All that Pixel stuff. Four, <laughs> but because Elden Ring was just, it was Dark Souls enough, but just different enough. It, it was a lot more approachable than Dark Souls games. You know, the fact that you can fast travel and not lose your souls and stuff like that. Um, and and it, it was, it's just this big open world versus like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be going. You know, Elden Ring kind of guides you a little bit better than, um, than a Dark Souls game. You know, that game just it had an unprecedented explosion in popularity. People who have never played Dark Souls or do not like Dark Souls was playing Elden Ring. I have I have very close friends that like they don't want nothing to do with Dark Souls games, but they were playing Elden Ring because it's just like you just couldn't ignore it. That yeah. game took over, you know, that month and like that's all anybody was talking about. And and I had friends messaging me just being like, should I play Elden Ring? And I'm like, I don't know. Like it's still really hard, <laughs> but like it's also really good. So. Yeah, like I noticed. I noticed the same thing. I noticed that a lot of people played Elden Ring who who said things were like, "I I've never played a Souls game, but I played Elden Ring." And I found two things followed that up. Elden Ring acted as a real like a really cool gateway drug for other Dark Souls games. Like people mm-hmm. played Elden Ring and were like, "I'm going to pick up Dark Souls three. I've played Dark Souls one now." After playing Elden Ring, I've now played all of the Dark Souls games. So, like, that's really cool because I love those games and everybody should play them. Uh, and two, I think there were a lot of people who kind of expected Elden Ring to not be a Souls games. And so a lot of the conversation I heard after launch was also like, oh, it's actually just big Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, but with know, summons and all that good stuff, yeah. things that make it a little bit like, you know, kind of, I hesitate to use the word easy because, you know, comments are just, you know, they're getting, this you know, makes it, it makes it more. <laughs> This makes it's, it's more approachable. Approachable. <laughs> approachable is my word. Mm-hmm. Tom, did you play Elden Ring? And we're about to talk more Elden Ring, but I'm just, I just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I played about, I've never been a huge Dark Souls guy. I've, I've enjoyed them, but like the thing that always stopped me from really getting into Souls games was the idea that like, if you don't make it to that next checkpoint, then like yeah. it can feel like the prog, like the hour and a half or two mm-hmm. hours or whatever you spent trying to get there, like was wasted. And like when I was playing a ton of games, right, like at any given time, it was like I didn't feel like I mentally wanted to be able, like that felt too risky of my like in spending my time for that, which made yeah. Elden Ring way more appealing to me because it is, you know not necessarily easier it's just less punishing in certain ways of like the ability to just go a bunch of different directions and the ability to just fast travel to different points from anywhere where if you're like you know what i i don't have time for this right now i'll just fast travel to this other place and try something else like i i really really appreciated that so i played but i still i only played like 10 to 15 hours of it and then i sort of fell off doing other things i think i got on a review and just kind of never went back to it but I enjoyed what I played, and I certainly enjoyed what I played, or got into what I played more than I did other Dark Souls games. I think. Yeah, Elden Elden Ring is like something that you can't do in other Dark Souls, which is like you're fighting a world boss, and you're like, I'm not going to win. You can just jump on your horse and ride away. Like right. that's yep. that's never really been a thing. Or you're like, hey, I'm deep in a cave, and I have a lot of souls and stuff like that, but I I I don't think I can continue. Uh, I can just teleport out and just yeah, keep and- all your stuff. And I know there are branching paths to varying degrees in other Souls games, right? Yeah. But, like, there is a thing in, in most Souls games that can be very sort of um, 
demoralizing when you hit a wall and you think it is the only path forward and you can't get through that wall and you're just like, what do I do? And some people thrive off of that challenge. And I would not like advocate for changing that because I think it is part of the experience, Mm -hmm. you know, for those people. But like Elden Ring does this magical thing that I think also Hollow Knight did really well, where it's like, if you hit a wall, you can just say, okay, I'll go this way instead and see what's that direction instead. And like, that's super, super freeing. And it just cuts down on those demoralizing moments of just being like, I don't know what I can do right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and to go back to something Matt said, I, it did after playing so much Elden Ring, I was like, man, I kind of want to go back and like, you know, and that's when I played Demon Souls, the the remake for the first time, because I I skipped it because I I you know, was playing Miles Morales and, and everything else that had kind of launched with PS5. And there was Assassin's Creed and all that stuff. A lot of games came out around that time. And I was like, yeah, Demon Souls is like, yeah, yeah, that's not for me. And I went back and I was like, wow, I'm much better at this game than I thought I would have been because mm-hmm. you you kind of just, you know, you get better at it uh, before Elden Ring came out. I did beat the first Dark Souls. So that was uh it was a, a sprint that I, I kind of challenged myself to do. And it was my first time beating that game. I beat it right before Elden Ring came out. And I was like, yay, I beat a Dark Souls game. And then my friend was like, oh, I'm going to go on and play Dark Souls 2. And I'm like, you go for it. I'm done. <laughs> I like Dark Souls 2 a lot, actually. It's overlooked. I, I agree. I think it's I think it's underrated. Like, it's definitely not mm-hmm. the best one in the series, but it's definitely has a lot of really cool things going for it. PlayStation Game of the Year watch. Basically, the premise here is, you know, every year we all get to vote and for our Game of the Year. But Game of the Year is not the only thing we vote for. There are a lot of platform-specific Games of the Year. There's action, there's genres, music, all sorts of stuff. Uh, So this is an unofficial prediction. This is just Podcast Beyond having a little bit of fun. This is no insight to what's actually going to happen at the end of the year. Um, But yeah, basically what we're going to do is we're going to go through... Our review scores, the third reason Tom Marks is here <laughs> as, as deputy reviews editor. And here and we're going to go through. I thought I was just here to replace Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I am. I am using you today. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go through um, some of the highest reviewed games of the year so far, and then we'll speculate on what's left. And we can kind of, you know, come to a, a, a probably come to a consensus on what we think could win PlayStation Game of the Year. Um so starting off, we have given 110 this year, and I'm sure you all can guess what it is. Power Wash Simulator. Power Wash, Power Simulator. Wash Simulator. A game that's <laughs> not even on PlayStation. Jada. <laughs> we did review it, though. We did review it. So this is, yeah, okay. Also, I want everyone to know, this is not, this is, this is not exclusive PlayStation games. To win PlayStation Game of the Year, the game just needs to have existed on PlayStation. Uh, so the 110 we've given this year is Elden Ring. Oh. <laughs> so that is the <laughs> one game it. on play, <laughs> one game on PlayStation that has received a 10 has any what other games have received a 10 now i'm just like purely curious we have this awesome website where i get to just oh, that's the only game this year that's gotten a 10 according to this yeah. website if you want to check this out yourself by the way you can just go to ign.com slash reviews and that has a list of all of our reviews <laughs> and you can sort by only games you can sort by only ps5 games you can sort by what score they got uh and so you can really dig into this into our reviews and kind of what we've done in the last you know actually forever that literally that list mm-hmm. will go back to it includes every IGN review, I believe. So you can you can have fun digging into that pretty easily yourself if you'd like. 
I was I was prepared to spend an afternoon like figuring Google, these out Googling <laughs> and, and, and Tom's like spreadsheets a hundred percent. And then Tom's like, Oh, you just go to this website here. Uh, this is sorry. I'm just going to go off on my own tangent here. The first 10 we ever gave is anybody know what it is, but Tom probably knows. So not Tom Jada uh, or Matt. Do you guys know what the first 10 IGN ever gave? Ocarina of time. Ocarina of time. would be my guess it's, as well. It's it's Ocarina of time. Yep. And then Pokemon blue and red both got tens. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well deserved. Right. Love those games. Yep. I guess it would make sense that they would both get it. So, anyways, uh, Elden Ring clearly like a front runner for PlayStation Game of the Year and yeah. probably Game of the Year as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. Does anybody have thoughts to think otherwise, or are we well, just pretty sure? You know, I, I mean, the elephant in the room is God of War Ragnarok. That's mm-hmm. the, right. that's the big which, elephant, which in we'll the room. get to. Yeah. And this is you know anything can happen, right? Like yep. God of War could like this might emotionally devastate some people god war could be bad or yep. some other game could come out and be amazing right like gotham mm-hmm. stolen bones yeah, stolen stolen bones could come out and be the perfect game <laughs> like that's that seems unrealistic necessarily but like it could absolutely happen yeah. this is yep. not a done deal we haven't decided anything mm-hmm. but matt and i were actually just talking about this i think it was last week right we were we were chatting a little bit about like game of the year frontrunner stuff and like mm-hmm. Elden Ring is is so far ahead of the pack in terms of the conversation right yeah. that it seems it's hard to imagine anything surpassing it right that doesn't mean nothing will that doesn't mean it will win it's just in this position right now where like like review aggregators are obviously just sort of a you know, they, they're not representative. I don't put too much stock into like the Metacritic or open critic score necessarily meaning like being the Bible in terms of like what games are good or bad, because a lot of mm-hmm. things go into that and you're aggregating lots of different opinions. Um, but on open critic, I believe in the tw- in for 2022 Elden Ring is at like a 95 or a 96 out of 100 for its aggregate score. And like the next game down is like 91. Right. Like it is mm-hmm. four points, four or five points ahead, which is a huge outlier in terms of aggregate scores, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is hard to deny whether, however, it shakes out, we'll see, but it is hard to deny how far ahead in at least the, the kind of overall conversation Elden Ring is. Well, and Elden Ring has survived something that is is something we kind of, you know, every outlet has to deal with, which is, you know, something called recency bias, right? Elden Ring came out in February. So it's really hard when you're casting a vote in, you know, late November, early December and being like Elden Ring, right? Like, or, you know, a game from that time, uh, you know, I, one of my colleagues, uh, well, all of our colleagues, but he's just, he's on my team specifically. Mitchell Saltzman had a scream from the rooftops last year and be like, guys, don't forget that Hitman was really good. It just came out in January, <laughs> but like, it's a very good game. And, uh, you know, game awards is a little more, uh, you know, Jeff Keeley shows a little more, um, their cutoff is a little sooner than ours because Jeff has to produce a whole show around it. And so I started seeing some rumblings about Halo Infinite and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even fathom that, like, you know, Halo Infinite is going to win possibly some game awards, you know, for maybe best multiplayer game or, you know, whoever. And I'm like, man, that's so I haven't thought about Halo Infinite in so long. So um, you're, you're totally not wrong that recency bias is a thing, but I will point out, right, that like IGN gave Breath of the Wild Game of the Year in 2017, yep. and that came out in March. 
IGN gave and, and God, of, God War, of War the game yep. of the year in 2018, and that came out in April. So there are examples of mm-hmm. standout games that came out in the early part of the year still shining through later. But you are right that it is easy to, if something is a great game, but kind of not sort of that beacon like Hitman 3, where Hitman 3 was a great game, but it didn't sort of like explode in the way like something Breath of the Wild did, right? It is easier to sort of overlook those later in the year when you're starting to compile lists just because it's been, you know, nine months or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, when you think about voting, right, and, and you know, I need everyone to know, you know, we don't have any, I don't have a horse in the race as far as like which one wins, right? To me, I just, I want the game, I want the best game to win, and I'm one vote in a in a pool of votes, but it's like, it's, it's, it's a tough ask to ask anybody to play, let's say God of War Ragnarok is a 10, let's say it's incredible. And then you're casting your game of the year vote two weeks after that game comes out versus Elden Ring that came out seven months ago, you know. But my my point about the recency bias is the fact that Elden Ring doesn't seem to be suffering from that too, too much. Right. We're in September and most people are still like, oh, it's an Elden Ring, right? Like Elden Ring is, you know, my thing. And again, this isn't me trying to be like, I want Elden Ring to win. I might end up voting for god of war who knows you know but like at the moment like helden ring just feels so fresh in my mind as just this like awesome game even though i haven't played it in a long long time <laughs> yeah i think i think one of the things about about timing you know is that the further you get away from it you know you like something the moment you play it after you finish it but then the longer you get away from it you know you start thinking oh you know there was that one thing that was really annoying or there was that one thing that i didn't really right. like and then all that, mm-hmm. that stuff kind of builds up and you know uh, that stuff kind of builds up over time but I feel like, at least for my case, whenever I think back on that month that I spent playing and beating Elden Ring, I just look back on it just more fondly, where I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know, I remember that that thing from Elden Ring. That was great. Uh, I really enjoyed that part. Uh, and yeah, so I think, I, and I feel like that's another one of those, you know, indicators that Elden Ring was really good when it came out, yep. remains really good as, you know, seven months later, and uh, is is definitely going to be a hard act to follow, uh, so to speak, for other developers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a couple other, you know, early games. You know, we, there's been a lot of nines this year. <laughs> um, so, you know, a couple notable notable ones that I, I'd like to mention that that got a nine. Uh, Sifu came out in February, got a nine. Mm-hmm. Also uh, great Mitchell game. I, I don't like super love that game. I know a lot of people do. I personally just don't. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you guys I, I, Jada, I, th- I think I remember you saying you liked it a lot. I love Sifu. Sifu is amazing. Um, and they're they're keeping it fresh with a bunch of content updates. They mm-hmm. just added the zero G mode, um, which is really cool. Um, so I'm excited to uh, dive more into it. Uh, like I'm really wait hyped as for, in zero gravity. Yeah, like when you like break objects, there's like like they just kind of float. And I think oh even gosh. if you like when you knock people unconscious, if you knock them like with an uppercut type it. They'll just kind of float in the air, kind of like zero G wise for a bit. And it's it's super cool. So like I love that they're keeping it fresh. They added new difficulty modes to like mm-hmm. help make it more approachable for other people to make it more welcoming um, to help, you know, kind of get more fans. Um, I think it has a really good chance of being like best action game of the year. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if it'll take like best game of the year overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that at the beginning of the year, this this would have been 
my this I would have been like this is probably going to be my game of the year but I've never I never have shut myself down so so fast was you know Horizon Forbidden West right like I yeah. was so excited for this game I loved the first game and I loved this game I I yeah. think it did some really really cool stuff at the end of the game some of the surprises that I I still would rather not spoil here but some of the surprises that that people have probably seen like blew my mind and um you know, we do a show here called Art of the Level, and me and Simon Cardi were were a lot farther in the game than a lot of other people. And me and him instantly were like, Lucy, Dornbush, like this is this. If we do an Art of the Level for Horizon, this is the level. Um, mm-hmm. Because like there was just so many cool things that game did. I did not expect Elden Ring to be so good. <laughs> Man, the like, Horizon I, series has such unfortunate luck of coming out right before like a revolutionary yep. open world game because it's, breath of the wild yeah. did this to the original yeah the the big joke is like man because you know i you know i can't say enough that horizon forbidden west will have you know it will be a trilogy at least sure. and ever and so the joke at the time was like man i cannot wait for the game that comes out next to the next horizon game because you just you know it's gonna be so good <laughs> the, other, the other massive open world game that comes out alongside horizon horizon 3 is gonna be amazing. yeah it I is so it, hard because like Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I got it. They just need to release two games. They'll just release Horizon 3 and then whatever their own, they'll release their own <laughs> massive open revolutionary open world game. Then they can't lose. They'll, they'll, they win either way. <laughs> that market cornered. Well, it's hard because like Horizon is like, I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way because I do love those games, but it is like, it is the Ubisoft formula of open world games, right? Like it is a big open world mm-hmm. that you, you know, unlock places. You, It's like, here's a quest and here's where to go do the quest. And you're like, okay, here I go. And then there's side quests. You know, it is, it is very formulaic in that way, but I think it's very good. And I don't knock an open world game for being an open world game, but it comes out next to Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring that are like, they're open world games, but they're different. They're open world games with like all the freedom in the world where Forbidden West, you know, they're like, hey, now you can climb, but you can only climb in some places, right? Where it's like, you know, you see the limitations there. And again, I don't want to knock an open world game for being an open world game, but man, it's been a tough sell for the for the poor Horizon series. So and I again, I fell victim to it, too. I was like, this is going to be my game of the year. I love this game. And then Elden Ring came out. and I was like, damn it. Yeah, and I think that does speak to how it does speak to how what I was saying earlier, right, about how kind of ahead in the conversation Elden Ring is, because it's not like Forbidden West is a bad game. Forbidden not West is a great game. It's just like it's not it's it is just like Elden Ring is so far ahead that it just is like doesn't almost feel like it is possible to, cont- to contend with it. Um right. even though it was a very good game. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 very good. It's just it's hard for it's hard for people to stray away from that comparison and and yeah. myself included. When I when I think about the early, you know, blitz of video games, you know, it's like you have Tiny Tina, you have Horizon, it's like the only one I still regularly think about is Elden Ring, you know. It's, you know. Yeah. You can kind of see the cracks there. Uh, uh, one more, well, I guess there's two more notable nines. One would be Gran Turismo 7, which I I really like. Oh, you do? Okay. Uh, I was like, I don't know if we're the cast for that. Sorry, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a new, I'm a new novice into racing games, but I, I watched 
that Formula One show on Netflix, Drive to Survive, a couple of years ago, and I fell in love with racing as a motorsport. Turns out, weird, mm-hmm. weird how that happens. Uh, and I learned to play these racing games, or I'm learning to play these racing games. And like, there's something very calming about playing Gran Turismo, where I'm just like, where I put it on and I'm trying to master braking, and I can spend hours on trying to just make a corner, like hit a corner correctly. And there's something mm-hmm. zen about that, but. I, I mean, it's not it's not my front runner. Like my front runner is Elden Ring, also, but I really like <laughs> it's, not, it's really gorgeous. Yeah, uh, and then like you know, there's a few other nines, Roller Drome and stuff like that. I don't, I don't, you know, Jonathan okay. Dornbush, long time friend yep. of the show, Jonathan Dornbush, <laughs> rolling out the door, uh, just then, dropped a nine and ran out. He left. did. He did. Didn't even do a video review. He's just like, here's my article. I'm out of here. <laughs> what a, just written on a piece of paper in a notebook. He's like, here you go. <laughs> what a what a badass. You guys got, paper. I got mine on. I got his on a napkin. I got his draft on the napkin on a bar napkin. <laughs> yeah, you're just doing edits on there, just live editing it. He's approving them. Uh, the last like notable nine would be uh, Last of Us Part One, which I. I think we can agree isn't really like a front runner for PlayStation Game of the Year no. from this cast. No. Like I I played it, you know, we talked about it on on our last mm-hmm. show. It's great. It's awesome. Don't know it why already, it exists. It's already won Game of the Year. <laughs> right, exactly. It's already won the awards that it needs to win. Um, you know, it'll be mentioned in those conversations, but like it's not something that I would consider. I like The Last of Us, I think, better than Horizon Forbidden West, but I would not vote for Last of Us Part One over Horizon. Like is kind of my thought process. Cause like Yeah. This is a game from 2013 that just got remade. So you're like, okay. <laughs> That's kind of my thoughts on it. Uh and then I wasn't even really going to mention the eights, but I just want to throw, you know, Stray. Stray got an eight from from our beloved Tom Marks. I do yeah. love that game. <laughs> I, I mean, like, this is the thing is, right? Like, everyone is going to have their tastes, right? The mm-hmm. review, both reviews and Game of the Year picks are all, they are all subjective. There is no such thing as an objective review. I will say that line until the day I die. <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. there are people who I have seen who... Think Stray is their game of the year so far, and there are people yep. I've seen who think Cult of the Lamb is their game of the year so far, or at least in contention. I reviewed both of those games. I gave them both eights. I would not consider either of them as my personal game of the year material, but I do think they are still great games that deserve yep. to be in these conversations in terms of like you know really impressive things that came out this year. Yeah, and well, and you know, it's kind of funny because what happened with Horizon and Elden Ring happened with Stray with me. I love Stray. I think uh, I think the ending to Stray is if you if you classify Stray as a walking simulator, which you kind of can, um, in in terms of like games like you know Gone Home and What Remains of Edith Finch and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, uh, I think Stray kind of like nailed the ending a lot better than a lot of those games do. Maybe save for What Remains of Edith Finch. I think the ending to that game is incredible. Um, but then I play Cult of the Lamb and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe this is my favorite <laughs> indie game of the year. Because I do, I love Cult of the Lamb so much. Uh, Stray was a lot faster to get through it. You can get through the game in just a few hours. And then I got the Platinum maybe an hour or two after that. Where Cult of the Lamb is like 10 plus hours. And then to get a Platinum, it seems like I'm probably a few more hours away. So I've been playing it a lot more, but I love Cult of the Lamb a lot. <laughs> Uh, so is there anything I'm missing? I'm sorry to spring that to you guys. Or like, Is there anything I'm missing? Anything that you guys think like that has come out that you're like, hey, Mark, you forgot to mention this? Uh, okay. Yeah, I have to check, actually, because it might be a 
platform exclusive currently, but Immortality is probably my favorite indie game of the year. That's uh, the new Sam Barlow yeah, game. You, mm-hmm. You Sam Barlow FMB game. It's spooky. So I'm not seeing it on the list when I sort by PlayStation. Yeah, but I yeah. know it's like kind of blowing up right now. Oh, you know what, Tom? Oh wait, no, I'm still sorting uh, my PlayStation. Okay. It is. It is a. It is a win. Is PC and Xbox. Uh, Xbox platform exclusive currently, which I did not realize. So, yeah. still very good. Still a great game, though. Yeah. I know people are loving. Is it like a live action game? I don't yeah, know anything like, about it. Exactly like it's you know like her story and and telling lies same thing real actors playing these characters there's a there's a, a consistent gameplay mechanic that you use to to solve this mystery but uh, for the most part it's it's pretty much an interactive movie and I don't mean that mm-hmm. in the derogatory sense because it's a right right very good story it's really really compelling but uh but yeah I remember the last one I I, I think it was called Erica. That looked kind of cool, but I I never got around to playing it. But everyone's loving this one, so I'm feeling compelled. Uh, And then looking to the future, these are games, obviously, that we some of them we haven't played. One of them we have, but uh, is coming later. So we have Solstice later this month, which I think that game looks cool. It's kind of like that DMC. I cannot wait for Solstice. That's my big game for September. Like, I love that game looks great. It looks so good. It looks so good. I cannot wait. Yeah, that looks really fun. Uh, we have Tunic, which we are all very informed on Tunic. We've a you know, few of us played probably it. played it, yeah, um, but it really but it is coming to PlayStation this month, which th- does make it eligible for winning PlayStation Game of the Year. So, you know, uh, that's there. We have Playtale Requiem coming in October, which I like the first game. I mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to end up winning like game of the years <laughs> I would, got I would, a lot of fans yeah I yeah would say that well and this one's a lot different that also if you have not played the original which is plague tale innocence mm-hmm. um it is often slept on i think it is yeah. a very yeah. very good game something i hear very consistently is like oh man i finally found plague tale and i can't believe i didn't play this for so long it impressed me well so that's much. how i was when the PS5 version mm-hmm. came out, it came out and it was free on PlayStation Plus. And right. I was like, yo, where was this game? <laughs> yeah. And yep. so I think I think Plague Tale Requiem, not saying it will take the world by storm, but I think that is a a very good candidate for sort of a dark horse coming out and being like, whoa, this is way mm-hmm. better than people were expecting. Mm-hmm. Because it's just not on a lot of people's that series isn't on a lot a lot of people's radars. Um so yeah, I think I think keep an eye on that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh we still have, we have Gotham Knights, which uh, I have yet to be impressed by. I think the game looks fine. Uh, but Jada, you were saying you were very excited for yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's mostly just kind of the newest details that have come out with it. The the cross progression mm-hmm. when playing co-op, the fact that you're not tethered to yeah. your ally when you're playing co-op. Like those are huge things that aren't seen in a lot of open world co-op games. You know, you play like a Far Cry game. And you get too far away, you instantly teleport to the host or vice versa. Um, and then also, like, you don't get to keep progression when you finish a mission in your friend's game. You come back and you have to redo it all in your world. Whereas with Gotham Knights, they'll give you the option, like, do you want to replay or do you want to skip this because you've already done it? Um, which is great. So I think a lot of the things they're doing in Gotham Knights are going to stand out and be done very well. I don't think it's going to take the world by storm, unfortunately, just because it does look a bit lackluster. Um, and, and when I say lackluster, 
I mean, compared to what we expect from a Arkham Knight Rocksteady mm-hmm. um, type game, um, it's going to be good. But I just don't think it's going to hit that pedestal that most people are hoping it to hit. They're hoping f- most people want Gotham Knights to come in, unseat the throne for Batman games and be that best Arkham style game. But I just don't think they're going to get there with that. Um, unfortunately, I think we have to wait for uh, next year with Justice League Suicide Squad um, mm-hmm. or Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League from Rocksteady themselves to um, to get that next kind of really great action game. Um, that's going to be co-op and stuff like that. So um, Gotham mm-hmm. Knights will be cool, but I think uh, I don't think it has a chance at winning that game of the year. Maybe best like co-op game of the year. Mm. Uh, and then I can blaze through the rest of it. We have new tales from the Borderlands. A lot of people are excited. Call of Duty mm-hmm. Modern Warfare 2. The previously mentioned uh, game of the decade, Skull and Bones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sonic Frontiers. And then finally, you know, the big one, God of War Ragnarok, which is in in my opinion, you know, I, again, Plague Tale could end up coming out and being incredible, right? But I think, mm-hmm. I think when I look at this list, I think most people are like, okay, if anything's going to unseat Elden Ring, it's it's if it's anything, it's going to be God of War Ragnarok, right? And I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, kind not of to write a, any of those others off. Absolutely not. I just mean as like the PlayStation game of the year. I foresee God of War Ragnarok being the thing that could that that is going to spark the most discussion sure. as far as like um uh, uh you know knocking Elden Ring off of that pedestal that we have put it on this entire episode. <laughs> so, um uh, right, remind me and because uh, I I think these things are now like in flux in this year in particular. Is God of War Ragnarok cross platform or just PS5 only? PS4 and PS4. PS4, and PS4. And PS5. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, and then Evil West, and then right at the tail end, probably making the cutoff. I don't, I don't know. I'm not the one in charge of those things. Callisto Protocol that comes out December second. <laughs> so I'm excited know. for that one. I, allegedly, I love, yeah, allegedly, love, allegedly. Yeah, I love Dead Space. I love Dead Space Two. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Callisto Protocol. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be like a, mm-hmm. you know season ending you know game of the year contender at the at the end but i think i'm gonna have a great time with it it could i think it has potential i think that it has equal potential to not come out in 2022 though (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. well and to be honest man when i look at like sonic frontiers i'm like man is that coming out in 20 like you just you never know in september Mm -hmm. any any of these games have a chance to to get delayed right like plague tale comes out in october that could move gotham any of these games could be delayed yeah. i assume except for tunic because that game <laughs> has already been released Don't play it. <laughs> not 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 knocking the uh not knocking the the work that goes into a port but i have to assume that that game should should be fine everything else we'll see even god of war ragnarok could get delayed you never know making it the busiest uh spring ever because there's already <laughs> so many games uh, but that's it. That's going to do it for the show. I appreciate I do, you guys kind of. I Sorry, do have one, one more quick one to bring up. It's an indie title, it. but I, I feel remiss if I didn't mention it because I'm wearing the shirt. But Shredder's Revenge came out this oh year. I think God. that's a good chance yeah. for a great her best indie between like it, Colton the Lamb and um, what was the other indie we were talking about? I don't Shrey. know. Stray. And- Stray. There you go. There it is. Stray. Tunic. Immortality. Yeah. So I have to bring up Shredder's Revenge. I'm wearing the shirt. Why not? So well, yeah, it's also hard because because inscription won 
got very close to winning our game of the year last year and right. just mm-hmm. launched on PlayStation like a week ago. And so I'm like, does that get brought back into this discussion? I'm I'm playing through Inscription for the first time right now, and I'm like, this game's blowing my mind, guys. Yeah, Inscription rules. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. A, I did a devs react for it yesterday, and I had a bunch of stuff spoiled for me. So I was Aww. unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that game. That game rocks. And uh, look forward to that episode. All right, cool. So that is going to do it. Uh, Jada, do you have anything you want to plug before we uh, take off for the day? No, not today. Okay, Matt, you working on anything? You just yeah. Uh, I <laughs> I'm going to be flying down to Anaheim for D23 for this weekend to do coverage on that. So stick check out IGN this weekend for big Marvel and Disney and Star Wars yeah. and Avatar and Pixar and alien maybe no yep. probably not alien sure. but all that kind of cool news yeah i'm just also reminded that the ubisoft forward is this weekend which i said at the top of the show we were going to cover but whatever jonathan dornbush ain't here we can do whatever we want uh tom <laughs> what about you <laughs> uh i'm working on a review of tinykin so if you want to hear more about that game check you can check that out later this week probably but also just play that game if you like plat- 3d platformers it's very very good um I don't think I have anything else to plug. My only request would be that anybody and everybody go and tweet at JM Dornbush the words boiled corn with no other explanation. It's a long I would, story. I would love that. <laughs> Let's if do you've it. made it this far in the episode, I would prefer you do that. Thank yeah. you. Yes, please. That's very good stuff. Heck, uh, and then. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> And then, as I mentioned, uh, we did devs react for inscription. Uh, I don't think it's going to go up this weekend just because this weekend with D23 and Ubisoft Forward, it's it probably a little bit too much. So I, I might hold it, even though the game's kind of fresh, but it is a really funny episode. Those guys were hilarious. So I'm very excited for people to see that. Uh, but that's going to do it for us this week. We will be back next week. And surprise, surprise, if everything goes correctly, my my trip is booked. Uh, we're all going to be in the studio. So uh, we'll, get to do a, we'll get to do a fun studio episode. I'll be up there for some some secret stuff. And uh, I, I asking everyone to come in. I, I, I can't wait. Can't wait to do a studio episode with you guys. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for us. You can follow me on Twitter at Mark underscore Murray. I I mixed mine wow. with yours. <laughs> Mark amazing. underscore Medina. Jada <laughs> at Jada underscore Rena, Matt at Law of TD, and Tom at at Tom R. Marks. That's going to do it. And we will catch you guys next week. Until then, beyond. 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 Welcome. You've got monsters lurk in the shadowy corners of the internet. Our darkest fears peer back at us from the depths of the web. We can all- Hey, holy Linda Blair. Are you all right? No. Can we maybe do this a different tone? Hey there, I'm Perry Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. On our podcast, Digital Folklore, we explore monsters, memes, and everything in between. Looking at our digital expressions through the lens of folklore, we break down the stories and communities we create online. And we try to make it a lot of fun. The show is presented in an audio drama style with a narrative and soundscape that's designed to draw you in. We weave insightful research and expert interviews with humor and storytelling. Come check it out. Search Digital Folklore wherever you get your podcasts.